Okay, let's get in our lesson today. We're in lesson four, and we're going to talk about the message. Now, again, like last week, we want to interact, okay? So we want you, if you've got a question, raise your hand. You know, I'll acknowledge you. If you've got a comment, raise your hand or whatever. Uh, we want to be sure that everybody understands what we're going to do today. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the message. Now, when we talk about the message, we're going to talk about the gospel. Now, we're going to do three things. We're going to talk about the problem that is going around today with presenting the gospel, okay? Then we're going to talk about what the true gospel is itself. We're going to look at the scripture. In particular, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn there, okay? And then we're going to look at some key components of what you need to share with people, okay? Now, we're not going to give you a formula, but we're just going to give you some key components. So let's talk about the problem, first of all. With a lot of our sharing today, there's a problem. First thing I want you to notice is this. Justin, if you could put that red square around that window there. Okay. Our gospel presentations tend to be simplistic. What has happened over time is, is that we recognize that people don't understand the gospel or don't respond to the gospel. So what we've ended up doing over time is, is we've kept making the presentations more and more simplistic in hopes of reaching more people. Well, the problem is, the reason why people don't respond to the gospel is not that the message is too complex or too complicated. It's that their eyes are blinded by the God of this world. So if, hold your, if you've got First Corinthians, turn over real quickly. Just hold your finger there. Turn over to Second Corinthians, chapter 4. Look at verse 3. Paul's addressing this very same issue right here. Look at what he says. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds, verse 4, the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. What's he saying here? That the God of this world, who's the God of this world? Satan has blinded their eyes so that they can't understand the gospel. So what we've tended to do is, is we try to, we've ignored the reality of what the scripture tells us, and so we try to make it as simplistic as possible. So, so simplistic, here, here's just an extreme. You know, Sam, do you want to go to hell? Well, you don't want to go to hell? Well, here, you just pray this prayer. And we give him the sinner's prayer, and he prays the prayer. You're not going to hell now. Is he saved? Probably not, because he doesn't have an understanding. Do you, do you understand? What, what's he need to have an understanding of? He needs to have an understanding of the gospel, who Jesus is, what Jesus has done. And, and so we, we do things like this. You know what? You just need to ask Jesus into your heart. Now, I've said that. Some of you have said that. Here's the problem. You don't find that in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible, in the New Testament, will you find any reference to, quote, asking Jesus into your heart. Where did that come from? Well, that came from somebody using it as in a way to share the gospel. And it just we just kind of reduced it down to its lowest common denominator. So now we talk to people about asking Jesus into your heart. 
See, our, our problem is, is that our gospel presentations tend to be simplistic. Here's the other thing. They assume a greater understanding concerning the Bible. They assume a greater level of understanding concerning the Bible. Most of our gospel presentations, whether it's the Romans Road or the Four Spiritual Laws or whatever it is that we share with others, assumes that people have an understanding of the Bible. And to be very honest with you, in the 1960s and 1970s, it was okay. You know, like, for instance, in the 1970s, there was a program that was started by D. James Kennedy called Evangelism Explosion. And it was a series of questions. You would go door to door, and you would ask these series of questions, and then you would share the gospel with people in hopes of leading them to Christ. Now, that worked during the 70s. It doesn't work anymore. Do you want to know why? Because as we've moved further and further away from 1960s, in 1960s, it was a very important decision that was made concerning our public schools. Anybody remember what it was? We removed prayer and what from the school? The Bible. So for, you know, it's 50 years later. In those 50 years later, you've had one generation after another come through school and they no longer have a, quote, understanding of the Bible. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, but that was okay because we had a lot of people attending churches, but church attendance has dropped significantly. In fact, remember what I told you about Clearfield County. Less than half of the county goes to church. So there's not an understanding of the Bible. But when we talk about our presentations, about how we share and what we share, it is often based on an understanding of the Bible. I found this to be frustrating here just recently. You know, we have a lot of folks who are coming to our church who are new to the faith or young in the faith, and so I wanted to find some material to give them, some beginning discipleship material to give them so that they could understand the Scripture. So I called around. I had called the navigators who used to be known as the discipleship people. And here's what I found. Nobody has anything like that. Not for new believers. I was like, what? And, and But what they have is everything is based on that everybody has some level of understanding about the Bible. I said, well, don't you have anything for people who have no understanding of the Bible? No. Well, we have these memory verses beginning in Christ. Yeah, and I'm familiar with that, okay? But that's still not going to get people where they need to be when they begin in Christ. Did you understand what I'm saying? So what we have is we have a church and a culture and a presentation that really assumes a greater level of understanding concerning the Bible. So here's what we need to see. The next point I want you to see is the problem is typically our presentations are for those who have a church background. Typically our presentations are for those who have a church background. I think I've shared this statistic with you before. Um, in the mid-90s, there was a guy by the name of Jim Peterson. He wrote a book called Living Proof. It's an evangelism book about sharing your faith through your lifestyle. He gave an interesting statistic. So this, this book was in the mid-90s. The statistic obviously had to be from the 80s. And the statistic was from the stats that the Billy Graham Association kept. 
Now, the Billy Graham Association keeps meticulous records concerning their crusades. How many of you know about the crusades of Billy Graham? I mean, it's just not Billy Graham, but you might hear about another evangelist or something that comes to the area or so forth, okay? They keep meticulous records concerning their evangelistic activities. Now, here's what they found. That 90% of the people who made a decision at a Billy Graham crusade had some sort of church background. Only 10% of them were what, what Peterson calls the untouchables. They have no background whatsoever. So, okay, so in the 80s, people were responding to Billy Graham. Those who were responding to Billy Graham, 9 out of 10 of them had gone to church somewhere or were going to church somewhere. Isn't that interesting? They weren't reaching the untouchables, the people who have no church background, who are totally lost. They were reaching church people. See, this is what I want you to understand. Most of our presentations are are really for those who have an understanding of who Jesus is, or who have an understanding of the Bible, or church, or something. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Something about God. But here's the problem, though. Remember, I told you, the problem is, is that we've got a growing segment in our society that doesn't claim anything anymore. We've got a growing segment in our society that doesn't go to church at all or has not, doesn't have any understanding about church. So when we say things like this, well, do you believe in God? Most people will tell you they believe in God. But what they won't tell you is, is that they maybe believe in a different God than what you believe in. Do you understand what I'm saying? The God you may believe in is not necessarily the God that they believe in. In fact, if you had a room filled with people, you might actually be shocked to realize that you've got a room filled with different views on God. We're not all operating from the same perspective anymore. We're not all operating on the same things that that everybody should be taught. Do Do you understand? And it's getting more and more increasingly like that. So, but here's our presentations. Our presentations often assume that a person understands something about the Bible. But the problem is, is that that's not true anymore. Most people don't. Most people don't have any understanding. Here's the other problem we have. We tend to press for a decision. When we make a presentation, we tend to press for a decision. We want them to make a decision for Christ, and that's it. But that's, can I be honest with you, people see through that, don't they? We've already told you that for the 18 to 29-year-old crowd, they already assume that all we're interested in is what? Nickels and noses. You know, so a seat in the, in the pew. And money in the offering. And if we keep pressing, if, if our whole reason for for sharing the gospel with them is for a decision, that just further, what, reinforces that attitude. It's got to be more than just a decision. It's got to be that you're concerned for them and you're talking about their eternal destiny. So we tend to press for a decision. And then we leave it at that. Once they pray that prayer, okay, you're okay, I don't have to deal with you anymore. You know what I'm talking about? Once you pray that prayer, 
I'm okay. You're, you're okay. You know, whatever. Just go on and live. Try to be a church. Now, here's the other thing. We overlook their level of understanding. We do, we're making mistakes. The mistake is, is that we're overlooking their level of understanding of where they're at. But you've got to know the person to understand where they're at. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got to know where they're at. So that means interacting with people. Interacting with people. So but what we do is we often overlook what they know. We don't really want to talk to them about it. Here's what the other problem we have is we often use church language. You know, we're you know, we'll use you know, we'll use language like, Are you saved? Well, there was a time when most people understood that, but can I be honest with you, most people don't understand what that means anymore. In fact, one of the videos we're gonna watch here in the next few weeks, the guy's gonna say that someone came up to him and asked him if he was saved, and he's like, What? Saved saved from what? Drowning? Or I mean, he didn't understand what they meant. You know, we use church language. Here's the other one, asking Jesus into your heart. Nobody knows what that means. Okay? Here's the other one, big one, at the football. So, football's over now, okay? Football's over. But it used to be, it, you, all the time, when you look at the stands, there'd be somebody there with a sign that would say what? John 3.16. Do you know what they found? They did statistics. Most people have no clue what that means. The only people who know what that means are who? Christians. In fact, when Tim Tebow did the John 3.16 thing, they said that Wikipedia had more hits trying to figure out, Google trying to figure out, what is John 3.16? It's not a bad thing, but the point is, is that our presentation is we're putting up something that most people didn't know. So if they didn't have Google, how would they know what it is? The issue is we got to watch our language and how we talk to people, the church language thing. You know what I'm saying? Because we, let, we whether you realize it or not, we're part of a subculture. We have our own language and our own music. We even have our own dress sometimes. Do, do, you, know, do you know what I'm saying? Some churches we have our own dress and our own special Bible. And, and a lot of people can't understand that, so we gotta we gotta watch how we communicate with people basic truths because maybe they're not there to understanding. Okay, let me give you an example. We just realizing this in our morning messages because we're looking at passages that are telling us to abide in Christ. Now, how many of you used abide in the last month besides talking about the morning message? Nobody. But if I go up to somebody and say, hey, Jim, you just need to abide in Jesus, man. Oh, yeah. Well, whatever that means. Do, do you know what I'm saying? And half the times, we don't even know what it means. All right, so we often use church. Here's the other problem. Our presentations make it hard to, refu- hard to refuse. Our presentations are often such that it makes it hard to Refuse. What do you mean? Like, I remember what I said. Sam, do you want to go to hell? Sam, do you want to go to hell? Oh, you're not one of those guys who thinks it's going to be a great party? Great. Well, here's what you're going to do, bro. Pray this prayer. Accept Jesus into your heart. A lot of our presentations make it 
we, we don't give a full presentation. We don't give a full understanding. And we make it hard. I mean, who would say no? Yes. Yeah, high-pressure sales. That's exactly right. Okay, so let's talk about what the true gospel is, okay? Look with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're just going to look at the first eight verses. Now, this might surprise some of you, but this is what the gospel is, okay? And we'll talk about that here in a moment. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. Gospel means good news. Which I preach to you. So Paul's saying, this gospel is what I shared with you, Corinthians. Which you also received. So this is what they accepted. And in which you stand. So this is what they're basing their faith on. So this is pretty important. By which you... Verse 2, are saved if you hold fast that word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I received from that which I received. Okay, so he's just delivering the gospel that he received. Here's the gospel. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. That he was seen by Cephas, or Peter, and then by the twelve. Then he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have, some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James and by the apostles. And last of all, he was seen by me also, as one, as by one born out of due time. Okay, so what's going on here? Here's what the gospel is. The gospel is about a person. Okay? The gospel is about a person. Now, who's the person, folks? Jesus. This is the reality. The gospel is about the person of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what the gospel is not. The gospel is not a ticket to heaven. Oftentimes, there's a, there's the difference between a good presentation and a bad presentation is where the focus is. If the focus is on the person, that's a good presentation. If the focus is on trying to keep people out of hell and telling them that, that's not a good presentation. Do you understand what I'm saying? The issue isn't you not going to hell. The issue is the person of Jesus Christ believing and accepting and making a commitment to follow him. That's what the gospel is, period. So, here's what I want you to see. Here's what the gospel tells us. From Paul's presentation, the gospel tells us that Jesus Christ died for our sins. In fact, he says it's according to the scripture. He died according to the scripture about what the scripture said, about what needed to happen, for our sins. So the first thing I'm going to understand about the person of Jesus Christ is, is that he died for me. He died for the wrong stuff I do. He died for the ignorant stuff I do. He died for the sins that I do. Do you understand? Here's the other thing I'm going to share about Jesus. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ was buried. 
So it wasn't just a figurative death. It wasn't just something symbolic. I mean, he literally died, and he was buried in a tomb for three days. Did you understand what I'm saying? He was buried. Now, here's the other thing. The Gospel tells us that Jesus Christ rose again on the third day. So on the third day, He arose from the dead. Now, nobody in human history has done that. Did you know what I'm saying? Nobody in human history comes back from the dead. Do you know know what I mean? I mean, we understand that. So here's somebody who's dead... Put in a grave, three days later he he rises from the dead. Here's what else it tells us. Now this is the significant thing. Because a lot of people can say, oh yeah, sure. Yeah, I believe that one. You know what I'm saying? And Santa Claus comes at Christmas time. You know what I'm saying? And the Easter bunny brings chocolate bunnies and eggs and Cadbury's and stuff, okay? The Gospel tells us that Jesus was seen by numerous witnesses. In fact, Paul tells you right there in the passage, it didn't just happen on one occasion, it happened on numerous occasions. In fact, I think it's striking to me that when he writes this, do you understand, he's writing this, I believe this letter was written sometime around AD 50 to 60, okay? So you're talking about 20 to 30 years after the death of Christ, is Paul writing this? And he says that Jesus Christ was alive and that that 500 people witnessed him being alive at one time. 500 people in one place saw Jesus alive. And he says, and some of them are still alive today. A good part of them are still alive today. 20 years later. So he's talking about the eyewitnesses. So this is not just some fable. This is people saw him. In fact, he says, I saw him. In fact, if you go down to verse 9, he makes it very clear. He says, I saw him. And he says, I'm the least of the apostles because I persecuted the church. He's saying, I saw him and I was the guy who was opposed to them. So the gospel tells us that Jesus was seen by numerous witnesses. So here's here's what I want you to see. The gospel is the message concerning the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what the gospel is about. The gospel is about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the next one. I might get some reaction from that, and that's okay, because we can talk about this. Here's what I want you to see. It is not a message concerning a simple belief. What do I mean by that? Well, here's what I mean. It is not a message about you simply just believing a set of facts. Do you understand what I'm saying? The gospel is more than just simply a set of facts. A set of facts would be something like this. A set of facts would be like saying, 2 plus 2 equals 4. Or the theory of relativity, 
that uh, they tried to say didn't exist, but now it still does because the guy who said who didn't exist was wrong. E equals MC square. Okay, that's a set of facts. Now a lot of you would say, oh yeah, that's right. But how's that impacting your life? So, uh, Brad, when you're jockeying around those trailers at work so that they can load them and they can go out and be trucked out somewhere, how often are you sitting around thinking about how E equals MC square is impacting your workplace that day? Every trailer. Every trailer? Okay, well, you're not a good example. Okay. <laughs> No, you're not thinking about it, are you? No. Two plus two, I mean, yeah, I mean, you do math, but it's not impacting you. See, this is what I want you to understand. We're not talking about just a simple belief here. We're talking about a person who is alive, who is God, who interacts with you on a daily basis. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're not talking about just a belief system here. We're not talking about just acknowledging some theological facts. The gospel is more than just a simple message. The gospel is about a person. And you need to understand that. See, if I'm pressing for a decision, if all I'm interested in is you just making the right decision, then it becomes a simple message. But if I'm pressing... I dropped the word pressing. But if I'm wanting you to interact with the God of the universe, then I want to introduce you to somebody. Do you you understand what I'm saying? Then I want to introduce you to somebody, and I'm going to tell you everything I know about him in hopes that you meet him. Did you understand what I'm saying? That's a little bit different. That's a little bit different. So we've got to get away from it. it's just a simple message. No, no, it, it's a hard message. And we'll talk about it here in a moment, why it's hard. So let's talk about the key components. We're going to end with this. I'm going to give you five key components about what you need to learn to share with people so that they understand. Because we want to move them from their understanding. Remember? Remember what I told you last week, let's, let's take this aisle, that those double doors back there are no understanding, and then it's... Here is coming to grips with who Jesus is and is accepting him. Okay, and the aisle is anywhere in between. And when you take everybody that you know and that you interact with on a daily basis, they're at different places along this path, right? So there's some key components that you need to understand so that you can share with them to help them to come to a realization of who Jesus is. So here's the first one. Uh... Oh, that's my last point on the last one. The message concerning one who is alive. I already gave that to you. Okay? It's about somebody who's alive. All right, here's the thing. There is one creator God who created everything. That's the first thing you need to grasp. Because the understanding who Jesus is, why he came, what he did, means nothing if we don't grasp this point. Do you understand? You've got to grasp the point that there's a creator God who created everything. First key component, there's a God. Period. Second key component, mankind rebelled against that God. Again, you're not going to understand who Jesus is, the importance of Jesus, the importance of making a commitment to Jesus, if you don't understand this second basic point. See, there's this creator God, 
who created everything, but part of his creation, mankind, rebelled against him. In fact, they rebelled against him so much, they don't want to have anything to do with him anymore. Don't we see that around the world today? You know? So mankind rebelled against God. Here's the third key component. Mankind must be punished for its sin. Mankind must be punished for its sin. Now this is the one that's really going to get people stumped. This is the one where it starts to break down. Because if, I mean, everybody understands the issue of punishment, right? We, we live in a society where you are punished, okay? Uh, you know, there, the reality is, is that there are consequences. But the problem is, is that most people develop their own concepts, and a lot of times it comes out of their own rebellion against God. They may not know it, but it does. Where all of a sudden you begin to say, well, you know, hey, I'm, he's not going to judge me. I'm not an axe murderer. You know, you know what I'm saying? I'm not an axe murderer. I'm not a child molester. You know, I'm not, I'm not that. I mean, so my good deeds outweigh my what? Bad deeds. I'm okay. I've never done anything wrong. Yeah, I might have told a few white lies, but if you understood the circumstance, you would know why I did it. Isn't that what they say? See, here's the problem, though. The problem is that they don't understand that God does not differentiate between sin and that all sin is worthy of death. And because of that, mankind must be punished for its sin. Somehow you've got to be able to share that with people to get them to understand that. But you know what? The only way you're going to know where they are on that is if you have conversation with them. If you have a friendship with them and, you, and, and it comes out what they believe about that. And you don't need to be haughty when you share with them this point. In fact, it should break your heart. Do you, know, you know what I mean? It should break your heart. Because we understand that the punishment is what? Hell. Did you understand what I'm saying? The punishment is hell. So here's the next point. God sent a substitute to satisfy his wrath. Okay, enter into the picture, Jesus. Who's the substitute? Jesus. So Jesus goes to the cross to satisfy the wrath of the Father. That's what he did. See, that's a key component of your, of your presentation. Is that the reason why Jesus came is that not just so he's some tragic figure, not that he could tell us how to love people, not just so he could do some miracles and feed 5,000 people or, or whatever. The, the reality is, is Jesus came because God sent him to satisfy his wrath. And so he went to the cross for you and I. And see, there's a final component here. Mankind must choose to accept the, the substitute. That's, that's the reality. Now, I just gave you five components. Creator, mankind rebels against him. Mankind must be punished. God sends a substitute. We've got to choose the substitute. How are most people going to react to that? Now, 
not going to believe it. In fact, I have had people right here in this community say to me, you mean you want me to believe that somebody had to go through that brutal death on a cross for me? That God would require that brutality for my salvation? You expect me to believe that? That God would be that way? I can't do that. I can't believe that God would do that. Do you understand? It's not simple. It's pretty straightforward, but it's hard. Do you understand? The gospel is hard. Because the gospel, you have to come to a place where you strip yourself of yourself and recognize, you know what? I am doomed. Jesus, you died for me. I accept what you did for me. Jesus, I recognize you are God. And I make a commitment to you. Do you you understand what I'm saying? That means, you know, stripping myself of my pride. Because when I don't have any pride, I've got to admit, man, I deserve to go to hell. Most people can't come to that place. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, I remember having a discussion with some folks who were addicted to drugs. and, And they told me, that they weren't bad because, yeah, they may have sold drugs, but they never stole anything. Never stole anything. I'm sitting there thinking, selling drugs is just as bad. But in their mind, there was a differentiation. They weren't at that level of being that bad. Do you understand what I'm saying? Nobody thinks. That's exactly right, Bruce. You hear what Bruce said? Nobody thinks they're that bad. But so you've got to come to the place where you recognize what? That you're that bad and that you need Jesus. See, but most of our presentations are, hey, Sam, do you want to go to hell? Well, here's what you've got to do, bro. Pray this prayer. Do you know what I'm saying? We've got to, we've got to grasp that the message is about the reality, those five key components, and the person of Jesus. That he came to satisfy the wrath of God. Because when it says he died according to the scriptures, we know that he died according to the scriptures so that he, what, could be the propitiation. Big Bible word for our sins. What does that mean? Wrath satisfier. So that now when God looks at you or me, he doesn't look at you and me and get torqued. He looks at you and me and says, I love you. Not because of you, but because of what Jesus did for you. That's that's the message. Do you understand what I'm saying? But you got to understand where people are at in order to communicate. See, isn't that what we expect missionaries to do? Isn't that what we expect missionaries to do? We send missionaries overseas and we expect them to learn where people are at so that they can share the gospel with people to bring them to an understanding. You know what, folks? Our world is becoming increasingly pluralistic. You're now the missionary. And you need to understand where you're living at, who you're dealing with on a daily basis, and begin to learn how and ask God to say, Holy Spirit, show me how to share it with these people. Show me what to say to them. Lord, if you you want me to share something, you tell me. You tell me what to share. That's what the message is about. Okay, let's, we got five minutes before the service starts. Coffee's in the back.